Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we're very pleased to have back Father Maximilian Mary Dean. He is that hermit who spoke to us at the beginning of the lockdown in March, and he's back again to tell us what we might do during this time of potential lockdown for Christmas. You're going to want to stay tuned for this one to hear all of his ideas, his blessings, and just his amazing insights. Before we begin, let me just say that LifeSite is very grateful for the support of Glory and Shine, a Catholic personal care company. Go check out all that they have to offer at gloryandshine.com. Also, let me quickly remind you that we are being censored. LifeSite is being censored by Facebook, by YouTube, and also by Twitter. So you need to go directly to LifeSiteNews.com to subscribe there. LifeSiteNews.com, go to the top right-hand side, hit the subscribe button so that you're not deprived of all of the news and all of the new videos that we put out. May God bless you. And uh, let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. Father, if I can get you to lead sure. us in the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father Maximilian, thank you for being with us again on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. Yeah, thank you for having me. We wanted to talk to you again because, I mean, you talked to us last time about what we can do in, in terms of lockdown. We seem to be coming to that situation again, and yet we're in the midst of, or just the beginning of, Advent season, where we're hoping and preparing for the coming of Christ and the great celebrations that uh, Christmas brings to us. And yet there's a lot of people with a lot of worry about coronavirus, yes, but also about the possibility of uh, no church services, no mass at Christmas time. And it's a great heartache for a lot of people. So if you can talk to us about that. Yeah, I think uh, well, it just it adds a whole different dimension to Advent for us, doesn't it? Uh, you know, Advent, as you know, I mean, it, it, the word, we use it in the Our Father, Adveniat Renum Tum, you know, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. So it's about coming, the coming of Jesus. And so I think, obviously, we can focus in a very special way on the precious coming of our Lord and uh, go with the church in that sort of time machine, which is the liturgy, and takes us back to all the desires, the prayers, the longings of the people of Israel for the coming of Jesus. Uh, and certainly with people not able to go to Mass uh, should increase that longing. And uh, we just, we think of, uh, and especially we think of St. Joseph and Our Lady during the time of Advent as the really the models, the ones who lived out so deeply, uh, so beautifully and profoundly, that longing of Israel for the Messiah, uh, even before, uh, you know, even before they knew that they, they were chosen uh, to be the, the, the father and mother of the Holy Family, uh, that they were longing uh, perhaps more than, than anybody else in, in, in the history of Israel for the coming of Christ. So I think, John Henry, in answer to your question, certainly I think uh, turning to St. Joseph and Our Blessed Lady during this period of Advent and seeking to unite our hearts to their hearts in that longing for the coming of Christ. Uh, at Christmas, 
the longing even for his coming at the end of the world, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a fearful thought to, um, to be, uh, have to confront our maker, the just judge. Uh, and yet, as St. Teresa of Avila says, if we love him above all things, it's a great consolation uh, to go out and meet Christ the Lord. And so that second coming, we need to long and pray for that as well, because when our Lord comes, he will come as king, he will come as conqueror, he will come with his victory over sin, Satan, and death. He will come, there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more disease, no more death. Uh, no hatred, none of those things when he comes and those who stand at his right hand will be welcomed forever into the kingdom of his joy. So we long for that coming as well. Uh, and the bridge, and this is what's so hard, uh, even just to hear you say that people might actually be without mass for Advent, even Christmas, the really the bridge from his first coming at Bethlehem to his final coming in glory is the Holy Eucharist. I mean, that's what bridges those two comings, because we receive Christ himself who came at Bethlehem, Christ himself who's coming in glory. We receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity into our souls, into that cradle, that, that Bethlehem of our souls, uh, but also the throne where he can be king and reign uh, gloriously in our lives. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's devastating. We went through this, I know we talked back, and it was during Lent, and uh, the, just the great heart-wrenching uh, scenario that we went through where people weren't allowed to go to Mass, etc. Um, and I just, I pray that doesn't happen again. I pray that doesn't happen again. Or if it is, it's just in certain, certain areas and, and that we can, uh, you know, just pray through that. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned St. Joseph there. I think it's very interesting. Um, you've, you've just recently released a, a new song uh, to St. Joseph uh, or, or um, reflecting on St. Joseph. If you can delve a little bit more into that, the, you mentioned the period of Advent being one of longing, which is exactly what um, you know, we're really called to do in a big way now, particularly for those who, who have no access to the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, for, for those who do, uh, um, offering it up for your brothers and sisters who are without the Holy Sacrifice, because you're really privileged um, today. It's always been a privilege to, to go and attend, uh, to go and hear the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, to go be there at Calvary. Um, but today, more so than ever, we should be able to appreciate how special this is. There are people all over the world right now. Uh, we just got an email the other day from uh, someone in United Arab Emirates. Uh, she said to us, you know, she had just experienced her third mass since March. Um, her kids aren't even able to come with her. They forbid children under nine from coming into the church at all. So they're all at home and she's there by herself. The third mass only uh, since March. This is a daily masser. So these things are horrific and 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 uh, very troublesome. So value, appreciate the Mass for what it is, and offer it up for those brothers and sisters of yours who have no access. But, Father, if you could tell us about St. Joseph's longing, um, as you mentioned there, and uh, in relation to uh, what we can learn from him this Advent. First, John Henry, let me tie this in. Um, you know, St. Maximilian Mary Colby, who's my patron saint, obviously, I mean, as a priest who was very close to the heart of our Blessed Mother and labored uh, very uh, feverishly with over 750 friars uh, in, in uh, uh, Poland at that time. 
and as you know, the, the Nazis saw him and his newspapers and, and whatever his speaking the truth as a threat, um, and rightly so, a threat to their, their lies. Uh, and so they destroyed the, the monastery and arrested him and, and uh, I think over 30 other brothers. Uh, and he was in Auschwitz, as were these brothers, and the reason I bring that up is, I mean, here you have a priest uh, who also had adoration uh, throughout the day for the brothers, and he was not only deprived of visiting the tabernacle, but as a priest deprived even of celebrating Holy Mass. And before he was ever arrested, he once said to the brothers, uh, he told them how efficacious a spiritual communion is. He said, in some ways, it, it can be, and in, in, in circumstances like we're describing, he says, in some ways, it can be even more, more efficacious than an actual sacramental communion. Now, obviously, the sacrament, you can't outdo the sacrament, but he's just talking about when you, by divine providence, are deprived of Holy Communion, you can dispose yourself, and of course, our Lord uh, can give these special graces. So that's one thing I would highly encourage all of us to do uh, is to, to frequently make spiritual Holy Communion. If we can't go to Mass, um, sometimes we're able to watch Mass on TV um, or even just in the day to, to unite ourselves with the Masses being offered throughout the world. I mean, just think about this. Four, over 400,000 priests are offering Mass every day. And what that means is that about every second, three priests are consecrating Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and three other priests are elevating Jesus. Three other priests at that moment are, are consecrating the precious blood, you know, and three other priests are distributing Holy Communion. And in other words, the Mass is, is the presence of Jesus, and we can unite ourselves to that spiritually. And, and even if the faithful can't go, I mean, we know that the priests are offering Holy Mass. And uh, so that's the first thing I would just say is the, the value of spiritual communion. And that obviously ties in with the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph. St. Joseph would have longed with all his being and would have, you know, it's the tradition that he had made a vow of virginity. Uh, and he had no intentions of getting married or any idea that he was going to get married to the Queen of Heaven and Earth, the Mother of God herself. Uh, and so when he espoused Our Lady, now he, you know, he saw that as the will of God, and he, with her, had united his heart to her in longing for and praying for the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the coming of his reign of peace, uh, of his redemption. Uh, and then after he realized that he had been chosen and that he was actually espoused to the mother of the Messiah, and that she was a living tabernacle in his home, uh, bearing Christ uh, into the world. Um, you know, see, it's, uh, the Venerable Venerable Mother Mary Greta talks about how, as soon as he realized this, he began genuflecting to the Blessed Mother, <laughs> because he realized that she was a living tabernacle, that she was the temple, the basilica, in which Christ was present. And Our Lady had to sit him down and talk to him and say, "Now you can't be doing this," because <laughs> you know. And so, uh, Venerable Mother Mary Greta recounts how, um, uh, so he no longer genuflected to her when she was looking. 
<laughs> but when she wasn't, when she was looking the other direction, he would genuflect when he would walk by. Um, and so we see this, this St. Joseph, this recognition of Christ who is true God uh, and that in him is the fullness of divinity uh, in his body so that he's true man, uh, that true God, true man, the incarnate word uh, in the womb of the Blessed Mother. Uh, and then his longing would have increased like his longing was already second only to the Blessed Mother for the coming of the Messiah. But now that the Messiah was dwelling in her womb, he longed, as did Our Lady, to feast his eyes uh, upon the babe of Bethlehem, to feast his eyes on the Savior, Jesus, to feast his eyes on the King of kings and Lord of lords who was coming uh, to bring God among us, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, and so I think that that, that is uh, a tremendous lesson for all of us spiritually. And if we apply it to our, our times, that certainly uh, St. Joseph experienced many difficulties, uh, many difficulties, uh, both uh, before, uh, during, and after the birth of Christ. I mean, before he didn't know that, he just knew that Mary was pregnant, but he couldn't, he didn't have an answer for the mystery why she was pregnant, and they had a virginal marriage. Uh, and the struggle that that was for him. And then after they, she, he knew uh, they had the census in Bethlehem. And of course, St. Joseph went with Our Lady. And then he had the distress of not being able to find, in, in the very town of the King, you know, David, uh, the town where the Messiah was supposed to come, he couldn't find a place fitting for the King of Heaven and his Queen Mother. Uh, and ended up uh, leading them to a stall, a, a cave, uh, and then the joy, the ecstasy of St. Joseph to be able to adore, to be the first one uh, after or with Our Lady, the first one to actually adore uh, Jesus Christ born in Bethlehem. And then, as you know, I mean, after that, immediately there's the Herod is out to seek him, uh, and he has to fly into Egypt uh, with Our Lady and, and the infant Jesus to a, a pagan land. Uh, they speak a different language. Um, and so he was estranged in, in many ways from the temple, from the, the Jewish feasts, etc. And I think that St. Joseph uh, and Our Lady can certainly uh, instruct us and give us special graces if we, we unite our hearts with them. Uh, in keeping our focus on the infant Jesus and the peace and the truth and the love and the grace uh, that he came to bring to us. Yes. What a, okay, so let me unpack some of that, Father, because there was uh, some really amazing things in what you said. Um, Venerable Mary of Agreda, her great works, The City of God, The Mystical City of God, um, relating, as you said, that uh, St. Joseph genuflected to Our Lady, recognizing, uh, of course, he was told by the angel, um, you know, that that uh, that she was the mother of the Messiah and uh, that the child born of her was, was of God. So he knew that, but genuflecting in front of her, it's an amazing thing because often I think people in the scriptures, or they read the scriptures and they, they see, oh, the first recognition of, of Jesus in his mother's womb is is St. Elizabeth, you know, because she was told by the angel and said so. But we have to think also, obviously, St. Joseph knew. Um, and that that image of him genuflecting 
to the living tabernacle of God is just an incredible, incredible thought. Um, he wouldn't have known until after St. Elizabeth because it wasn't until she, she came back from the visitation that St. Joseph even noticed the signs of her pregnancy. Um, and uh, so St. Elizabeth and St. John the Baptist and the St. Zacharias, they would have all been the first, I think. Um, but then when she, when she came back, obviously she would have been I think it's three months she spent with, with uh, yeah. them. So it would have been very obvious to St. Joseph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. What a beautiful thing. Also, you mentioned how uh, in the stable, um, there's, a, there's a really neat reflection from uh, your mentor's mentor. So uh, you you explain that your mentor, Father, your your name, Father Maximilian Mary, you take of course from uh, Father Maximilian Mary Kolbe, and uh, his mentor in his whole devotion to Our Lady was of course Saint Louis de Montfort, and uh, de Montfort has a has a beautiful reflection on this which you mentioned about Saint Joseph in the stable, um, how Saint Joseph would have prepared the stable because he had no nowhere else to to uh, work with obviously prepared the stable for Our Lady, for the coming of our Lord. Um, and uh, it, I've always, well, de Montfort makes this reflection that, uh, you know, um, it's like us, we are the stable. And you mentioned that already too, that, you know, he comes into the stable of our hearts. And, and um, de Montfort talks about um, Mary coming into our hearts to receive uh, Jesus for us, if you will. But St. Joseph too, because I think he was there in the stable uh, to prepare the stable uh, for Our Lady, for the coming of our Lord. And I think he can do that with us too. We can ask him into our hearts to, to by his intercession, cleanse the stables of our hearts to make them ready for Jesus and Mary. Um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful reflections. Um, and, and we need that nearness right now, that that unity with the Holy Family, in order to be able to hold Jesus in our hearts, in order to be able to long with uh, St. Joseph and with Our Lady for the coming of our Lord, both in um, the uh, the coming that will come to us uh, shortly at the end of our lives, however long away or nearby that might be, but also uh, the second coming, of course. Um, and uh, God willing, soon, for some of us already uh, uh, can do that now, but uh, for those of you who are experiencing lockdown, God willing, soon at the Holy Sacrifice as well. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things, John Henry, you struck me when you were speaking is is just the relation of St. Joseph with the angels. Uh, it was always the angel appearing to him in the dream, informing him of the Messiah being in the womb of Our Lady by the Holy Spirit, so a virginal conception uh, that Christ had come and also the flight into Egypt, and also in leaving Egypt, and then being told to go to Nazareth, that he was always in conversation with, uh, whether it was his guardian angel or angels. Um, and I think that's important. You know, we are living in the midst of a huge spiritual battle. Uh, I mean, when you, when you read chapter 12 of the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, you see the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, crowned with 12 stars. You see this dragon trying to destroy Christ and her and her offspring. You see the beast coming up from the sea. You see the beast like a lamb, which would reflect betrayal within the church. Um, and it's so complicated mm -hmm. and so huge. And St. Michael comes in with his angels. And like, even if we don't understand or see all of the the, the depths of all of the craziness, 
one thing that we do know is that there is a spiritual battle going on and that God has entrusted to each one of us a guardian angel to protect us, to guide us, and with whom we can adore our Lord. And if, if souls are separated from Christ through the lockdown, send your guardian angel to the tabernacle to visit our Lord and to bring you back special graces. Uh, that's what I would say. You know, I think that St. Joseph teaches us the importance of being close to and guided by and protected by our, our holy angels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, there's lots there in what you said. I'd like to just unpack a little. There is a lot of spiritual attack today. Uh, as you mentioned, the the, the beasts in Revelation uh, come one looking like a lamb, therefore it talks about betrayal in the church. That's happening. And I think there's a lot of people who are very unsettled because of the various stances taken by the hierarchy. It started, you know, there's a lot of things that people have lived through for, for decades now um, with the, the sort of dismantling, it seemed, of the old rite of the mass and, and all sorts of things. But it's come forward in our day where those who even didn't have to struggle through that time had to face uh, what we're facing now with just insanity, both from the sexual abuse crisis, but now to the, the crisis of modernism, which is affecting the hierarchy of the church like it never has before. And it, it's just a, it's a, it's very alarming. But even beyond that, because that, while that's there, that's unsettling for a lot of people, it's still somewhat remote. The much more immediate thing is the personal spiritual attack that leads us into a real separation uh, with Christ, much more so than than even being denied the access to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which has happened to Catholics since probably since the beginning, uh, where where you know they're under persecution so they can't go, maybe even for the rest of their lives. But they had that spiritual attachment to our Lord being in the state of grace. But the kind of attack that's happening today, with millions of people being left at home, they can't communicate with others, they go on the internet, and you're 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 presented with all sorts of, well, filth for one thing. And that's one of those things that actually drags you out of that relationship. And speak to us, if you will, about the role of the angels, of our guardian angels, St. Michael the Archangel, in helping us to overcome that spiritual attack. Because a lot of it, while we're tempted by the world uh, and the flesh, a lot of it's also, I, I think, satanic. And I'm actually interested to know, how, how does that relationship work between our guardian angel and St. Michael, and who plays what role? As you said, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and I, the analogy that has been coming to me recently is, is I feel, and I think we feel naturally, we feel like we're palm trees slowing down a hurricane. <laughs> like, naturally speaking, we feel like we're doing nothing to stop this wave of tsunami of evil that's coming at us. Um, whether it's within the church or uh, in the world. Um, and like we see it and experience it a little bit, but, but you know, we're not in a third world war, at least not yet. So it's still, there's still a, a little bit of peace there, but we recognize that the world is slipping in the direction of evil and corruption. Um, and, and that's where, uh, humanly speaking, it, it's disparaging, it's discouraging, and but we should not despair because it's not uh, a natural battle. Uh, palm trees are never going to stop a hurricane, but we know that our Lord, all He has to do is command and the winds stop. So it's a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where we need that supernatural perspective that yes, David and Goliath, it's a very uh, formidable story. Uh, and yet that's the reality that we find ourselves in. But if we trust in God and know that this is a, 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 a battle against powers and principalities of darkness, wicked spirits, evil spirits that we can't see um, or detect, but knowing that we have this legion uh, of angels, our guardian angel for us personally, but there's a legion, just legions of angels at Our Lady's disposal uh, to protect, to guard, and to do battle for good. It should encourage us, obviously, to um, to invoke the angels, St. Michael, in a special way. I mean, they used to be the, the prayer that was said after every Mass, you know, that was part of the the, the Thanksgiving prayers after Holy Mass. And our, our, our bishop in our diocese has asked that all all the all the masses have the Saint Michael prayer said afterwards, and I know that's happened in other dioceses as well. Uh, and to pray frequently to our guardian angels, but that's it, I guess it's the what 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 it requires of us is the gift of faith, and knowing that our angels uh, are there and are doing battle, and that we are part of a much bigger picture, a much bigger picture. Uh, and I think that's a problem that a lot of people have. Uh, certainly, uh, speaking as a man, a lot of us have this problem where our, pic our, our picture, our world is too small. Uh, and no, and that's, that's a lack of faith. No, we're part of a huge spiritual warfare. We're in a battle and we are called as, as men of God, men and women of God, but we are called to take up spiritual arms uh, and to do battle with wicked spirits and false doctrines and heresy and sin by living a life of grace, uh, by praying, uh, by doing penance, uh, especially praying the Holy Rosary with attention, reverence, and devotion. And if we do that, uh, we know that the Immaculate Heart of Mary will triumph in the world, but also in our own lives. And, and that's where it has to start. So no matter what the circumstances, you know, John Henry, I always say this over and over again to my spiritual daughters, the Carmelite nuns in Fairfield, where I'm chaplain, I say that, Everything is a gift of God, which Jesus gives you through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Everything. He's always trying to draw you closer to his sacred heart uh, through any circumstance. And that's the perspective that we have to have. Um, these lockdowns, this COVID, this is just a dress rehearsal. This isn't the Antichrist. This is just a dress rehearsal. They're all taking notes on how they can move towards a global one world government without God, without the true church. Uh, and this is just, but if we see that God is in control and that everything is a gift that he allows to happen to us, to draw us closer to him through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, we, we, we are victorious because Christ is king, Mary mm -hmm. is queen. Uh, and our angels will help us in that. So I don't know that I actually answered your question. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, no, that's, that's great, Father. Why don't we, um, you know, what you said is very challenging um, because it, um, because people do experience real hardships that are sometimes seemingly hellish um, and, and, um, could easily lead to despair, whether it's from disease or or, or, or suffering um, attacks or breakups in relationships where you really feel that you're a victim and maybe you've done something stupid and 
and so on. And there's a lot of this heartache and 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 real um, suffering from there's so many different perspectives. And yet the teaching of the church is, as you mentioned, is that it is a gift for you, uh, to you, from our Lord. How do you explain that? Cross, it's the mystery of the cross, John Henry. And, you know, I always say this, that we can love the cross, we can embrace the cross, it's still the cross. <laughs> it still hurts. And the cross, from my experience, um, you know, we have this idea, like especially when we enter religious life, oh, I'm going to carry the cross. And we have this idea of what the cross is. And then we discover that the cross that we thought we were going to be carrying, it's a different cross. Um, we, um, uh, in other words, it comes in forms that, that we don't expect it. Uh, you know, Saint, I'll go back to St. Maximilian Kolbe. Do you think St. Maximilian Kolbe imagined that he was going to be starved to death in a, in a concentration camp? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, St. Joseph, uh, he never thought he'd be married. He got married. Do you think he thought he was going to be leading, uh, you know, Jesus, the King of heaven and earth, and his Immaculate Mother into a foreign land while Herod was slaughtering innocents behind them? Um, so the cross, it, it's, you know, we can't avoid the cross, and when it comes, it's very real. I guess that's the point I'm trying to say. Uh, it doesn't take away maybe the, the, the feelings, the fear, the, the, um, uh, the struggle uh, that, that comes with it. Uh, and so the cross, everybody has a cross. If I can say it this way, everybody has a cross. But with Jesus, that cross has meaning. So you think about people, mm -hmm. they're, they're experiencing, mm -hmm. there's people all over the world experiencing great hardships, but they, I don't know how they do it without faith in God. How do they do it not knowing mm -hmm. that, that Jesus is with them and suffered for them? Um, and that's the difference, because when we experience the cross, our Lord is uniting us more deeply to his heart, which was pierced through uh, for the glory of God the Father and leading us to glory. Uh, and so for us, the suffering, it doesn't go away, but it has meaning. It has value. Uh, and actually, it, God uses it not only to purge us of sin and purify our spirit, but to unite us to Him who is being offered day and night in the holy sacrifice of the Mass to the glory of God the Father uh, for the salvation and sanctification of souls. And we get to unite ourselves to His heart uh, in that very act of offering Himself uh, on the cross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you can just, uh, and, and maybe we'll close off with this, take us through that. You you are a, a spiritual father. You are, um, uh, yes, con uh, mo much more contemplative than, than all of us lay people. Tell us how, if you will, uh, we can go about coming to peace with our crosses, coming to that uh, place of, of union with our Lord, even when it seems that uh, we're deprived of him, can't get to Mass? Um, well, if I had all those answers, I'd probably give them to myself. I struggle like all of us um, and have experienced some very, uh, probably compared to other people, they're not, don't seem like crosses, but very difficult crosses in my own life. And, you know, you sort of s scratch your head spiritually like, you know, I know the value of the cross, and I know what I'm supposed to do, and yet in the midst of the cross, it just, it's, it's crucifixion. It's overwhelming. Um, and so that's where I guess it's important to have that daily life of prayer, 
Um, so meditating on the scriptures, praying the daily rosary where you're actually meditating with Our Lady on the joyful, sorrowful, the glorious mysteries um, so that Our Lady is with you and accompanying you through the joys, the sorrows, and the glories of your life. Um, and then uniting yourself in all the joys, struggles, difficulties, everything, uniting yourself with the heart of Jesus in the tabernacle, uh, in the Holy Eucharist, um, whether it's through a spiritual communion, uh, adoration, uh, or attending Holy Mass and receiving Holy Communion, but just, I think that's the key. Uh, and I think I said that in our, our interview uh, earlier this year, uh, John Henry, is that uh, really the seeing our lives as an extension of the Holy Mass. Uh, and so if we can see that in our daily lives, that somehow every facet of our life can be united in some way to the heart of Jesus, to some aspect of his life. Uh, and then that animates the whole thing. It makes our whole life an extension of the Mass, that we are offering the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus to the Father, asking for his mercy upon ourselves and upon this world. Awesome. Awesome. Father, uh, I know you're doing something that uh, might help people uh, do exactly that. Um, tell us a little bit about that, what you're doing, where people can find you uh, online, and um, and that would be great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I do just spiritually for others, but also to support myself, is uh, I do I offer a, a novena of Latin masses that people can enroll their family, friends, themselves, their loved ones. Um, so this year for Christmas, I have um, the uh, nine Latin Masses that will be offered. Most of the Masses will be offered uh, at the high altar of the Carmelite nuns in Fairfield. Uh, I think one, maybe more, but one of those Masses will be offered in, in my private chapel. But uh, it's an opportunity for people to enroll themselves and others in these Holy Masses. And there's an option to have a Christmas card with the enrollment sent to the person. I fill those out. And also um, there's an option if, if people want my latest CD of Catholic music. It has that song, Tell Us Dear Joseph, on there um, so they can make a kind of a gift sent. Um, so that's how I support myself, John Henry. And I love it because I, I support myself by praying for all these beautiful souls uh, that are asking for these, not only for the Masses, but I also pray for them every day in the memento of my Mass. I pray for those who enroll in my novenas. So just encourage them yeah. to take a look. It's a, the, yeah. the website is novenamasses.org. Uh, so it's pretty easy to, to... Excellent. Excellent. Father Maximilian Mary, thank you so very much for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. If you wouldn't mind concluding with giving us all your blessing, that sure. would be awesome. Yeah, through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and good Saint Joseph and all of the holy angels, I pray that Almighty God bless you and keep you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Thank Maximilian. Thank you. God bless you. And thanks Peace. to all of you. We'll see you next time.